You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right, so if you're visiting with us, uh, great, great to have you. And uh, today is week three of a series that we're, we, we've been doing called Vanishing. And uh, we use a, a, a series that was put together by the San Antonio Church uh, called Vanishing that uh, Mike Tolliver and his son put together. Uh, there's a, a film that was put together that has been entered into some contests, and we watched the film together week one. Uh, we licensed the ability to be able to show that film, but we cannot uh, post it online anywhere or anything like that because of copyright uh, infringement. But if you would like to see it and you haven't gotten to see it, if you do want to send me a personal email, I can send you a link and a password so you can watch it yourself just as long as you uh, promise not to share that information with anybody else. Uh, so my email is jbriancraig at gmail.com, jbriancraig at gmail.com. But what the film is, Vanishing, it's a, a, a man, a, a father and a husband who um, is in a, a position in life where things are vanishing. The things he loves are he's losing the things that he always valued and always loved because of his own actions. And in a literal sense, things are vanishing before his very eyes. And it all brings him to the point that he falls down on his knees before Jesus and, and says, help me. And uh, that story is a story that a lot of us go through uh, when we get stuck or we get trapped in sin. And, and so this series has been how to get out of sin, how to get unstuck. And so the title of the lesson today is Living Victoriously. And when we talk about living victoriously or, or the victorious life, we're not speaking about a life without problems. We're not speaking about a life without issues or trials. The Christian does face trials and problems. It was never promised that, you know, you get baptized, you become a disciple and everything is easy, right? In fact, sometimes it's the opposite. Uh, but what we are promised is a, a, a life that where Jesus helps us through those things and we see victory after victory after victory. We're able to conquer as we sang about earlier. We're not talking about a life of sinless perfection. You will mess up. You will fail. But we are talking about a life of not being held enslaved by sin, not being stuck, not being entrenched. Jesus doesn't want us to be stuck. He wants us to see progress. Uh, if you've ever been, anybody here ever been stuck in your car before? Uh, my wife's parents are here. I remember being stuck in their yard with their car uh, down, you know, and, and it's one of those, it was in the snow and I'm trying to get out of their driveway and I'm getting more and more and more stuck farther and farther down the hill, you know, in, into their house. Um, I remember another time I was not that, that old as a driver. I was about 17 years old and uh, I had a 1978 Chevy Chevette and I decided, and this was in Pueblo, Colorado, decided to take it four-wheeling. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of dirt roads in Colorado, a lot of places to explore. And so my best friend and I are exploring some area there in the, in the dirt road with my 1978 Chevy Chevette, and it was not designed for that, and I got stuck. And uh, we were stuck for probably four or five hours uh, trying to get out, and, you know, the chassis was stuck on dirt, and so we had to dig out the underneath the chassis. We didn't have tools with us, so we're digging out dirt with big gulp cups, you know, trying to... <laughs> And then we're finding stuff to try to shove under the tires to get some traction. And, you know, we were stuck for a good long time. Being stuck is not fun. And uh, we can get that way spiritually where we're just stuck. We're, we're high-centered and our wheels are spinning, but we're not going anywhere. And so this today is, is really a practical lesson about how to get unstuck. How do we get past uh, sin's entrapment? The first two weeks, uh, we talked about these counterintuitive steps of confession. 
not con- concealing. Confess, don't conceal. And then we talked last week about forgiving, not begrudging. Those are not easy things to be open, to forgive. Those are difficult things, but those are required if you're going to be able to get out of sin. You've got to start by getting real. You've got to start by getting open. And you've got to let go of those things that we hold against others. If we're going to be forgiven, we've got to forgive others. And so we're going to move on today to some real practical things. And this lesson was put together by Mike Tolliver. I appreciate how Mike Tolliver is a real practical guy. And, uh, and so these things really helped me going through them. Number one, let's remember where victories come from. Victories come from Jesus. It's only in Jesus that we can have victory. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I want to read this. It says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We can't do it of ourselves, right? Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. That's where we're on our way to, a victorious life. Uh, for eternity for the perishable must be clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory where O death is your victory where O death is your sting the sting of death is sin And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is through Jesus that we get the victory. It's through the things that he said. Jesus said some things that are very counterintuitive, that don't come natural. You know, he said, if somebody strikes you on one cheek, you turn the other as well. That does not come natural. Jesus says, pray for your enemies. And, and I don't think he meant pray that they will be destroyed. You know, pray, pray, pray that life will go horrible for them. Uh, you know, he said, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. He said to forgive. He said to be humble. He said to confess. When it comes to money, he says, don't let money be your master. Don't be controlled by money. Use money uh, in relationships, use money for friendships, manage it wisely, don't crave it. You know, that doesn't come natural uh, to us here in 21st century America. The, but, but when you do what Jesus says, through that we get victory, we see victory, we see that his teachings work. You know, when, when, when uh, he had this dialogue in, in, in John uh, 8 with, with the, the religious people that they, they thought they, he was a good teacher and they wanted to follow him, but they weren't sure and they were kind of on the fence. And he says, hold to my teachings, then you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You're victorious through the truth, but, and you only know the truth when you hold to his teachings. That living by what he says gives you freedom. His, his way, his message is surprising. It's countercultural. It's counterintuitive. And it's refreshing, and it's just plain right. His way is the right way. I saw a TED Talk recently uh, by, and I know some of you mock me every time I say that, but I like, I like learning. I like learning on my own. So I saw this TED Talk, uh, and uh, this was by a guy who's devoted his whole life to SETI. Anybody know what SETI is? S-E-T-I, the search for intelligent, uh, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And uh, so his whole life's been devoted to that. And, and, and he was giving this TED Talk, and he was saying just, he, he was kind of caught up in how amazing and wonderful it would be to hear from a, a, a 
an intelligence from another place. He said it would be like Julius Caesar getting to learn English and giving him the keys to the Library of Congress. Just like we would be able to have so much knowledge, we would be able to have so much learning from this other place that nobody's ever heard from. And it just made me think about, wow, we have the creator of the whole universe that became a person and walked on the earth and, and spoke these words, and yet people don't listen or read. Has this guy ever even read the Bible? You know, like, it's amazing. We have the source of intelligence, and yet people don't, don't listen. They don't, they don't hear. Uh, God's way really works. You know, you might think that God's way, God is here to try to keep you from having fun. I know for the teenagers, that's something that we get tempted with as teenagers. Like, oh, God is trying to keep me from real enjoyment. Maybe what I need to do is go have a lot of fun, send it up, and then come back later. You know, maybe that's the way I'll do it. And I'm just telling you that that is not the right way to do it. Uh, those things that the sin is sin for a reason because it leaves uh, scars that will last a lifetime. And if you ask any of the older people here, if, what, would you have become a disciple when you were a teen? They would all say, yes, I wish I had. Because I'm still dealing, still dealing with things that happened when I was 16 and now I'm 50. Amen? Yeah. I, I think that's a yes. And, you know, I remember feeling those things when I was a teen, though. Like, I don't know, maybe God's trying to, maybe God, you know, maybe God's, I don't know, I'm going to trust. And I'm just telling you, after 23 years of marriage, like, God's way works. There's no way I would be married and have three awesome kids and have all this joy in my life and have so many friends and so much blessing. Uh, God's way really, really works. I didn't miss out on anything becoming a disciple as a teenager. And it's so true. Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. God really wants to give you your desires, the, the deepest desires of your heart, but in a way that protects you, in a way that keeps you safe, and in a way that helps you to be victorious. Uh, we get the victory through Jesus. Look at this uh, verse. I love this verse. Hebrews seven twenty five says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. This says Jesus is on our side. He's interceding for us. He's helping us out. He's in the battle with us. Uh, when I was in grade school, we used to play dodgeball in the gym. And uh, it was boys versus girls. Yeah, all the boys on one side, all the girls on the other side. Yeah, and we, we, wanted, we wanted to nail those girls with the dodgeball, believe me. This is like, you know, fourth graders, fifth graders. They, at that age, you know, you show your affection by harassing girls. That's the way you show them. So, but, so it's boys over here, girls over here. But, but the thing is, the girls also had on their team the gym teacher. And he was about a 30-year-old, you know, buffed dude that thought he was something special. And he, he relished the thought of blasting the guys with the dodgeball as hard as he could throw. I mean, I remember guys with red marks, you know, on their face. You know, uh, nowadays that probably wouldn't, wouldn't happen. But so, so the girl, somehow the girls always won. You know, you would try to throw that gym teacher as hard as you could, and he would still catch it with one hand. Just <laughs> Um, and they always won because they had this champion on their side. And, and that's how we are with Jesus. You know, we, we have a hero. We have a champion. We have somebody that's so much bigger and better and stronger than we are who's on our side. So victory is through Jesus. Number two, boundaries are really important if you want to lead a victorious life. 
Boundaries sometimes mean you run away. Like 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. There's things that we need to run away from. And I don't know when the last time is you, that you actually fled something. We don't, in our life, we, there's not a lot of, you know, we don't face mountain lions or we don't have things that we have to run away from. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time I ran away, I, it was from a skunk, you know. And, and I must have run, I must have covered, you know, about 30 feet in about three steps, you know. And my heart was, you know, because I didn't want to get sprayed by the skunk. But fleeing, it's, it's, it's a whole body action. It, it's everything you have. I'm running away. And, and that's the way the Bible says to treat sexual immorality. Not kind of, well, I'm, gonna, I'm sort of struggling with it. I'm sort of trying to figure out the boundary. No, you flee. You run away. Paul says to Timothy that, to run away from these things that trap many people in, by harmful desires. This is First uh, Timothy 6. Since many people fall into temptation and a trap and these foolish, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. But here's what he says to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this. Run away from that stuff. You guys remember uh, Monty Python? Run away! <laughs> so next time you, 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 know, you get that temptation, just have that in your mind. Run away! Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. The Bible never tells you to battle with sexual morality and greed. It always says to run. You just don't even go there. David Bruce uh, did a talk for the, for the men on a midweek, and he said in his, he's a uh, therapist, and in, in his studies of helping people with addiction, he says a lot of people think the op- opposite of addiction is sobriety, but the op- opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite, I'm having a hard time with that word. The opposite of addiction is connection. And so he said, similarly, the opposite of sin is not not sinning. The opposite of sin is a relationship with God and with others. Connection with God and others. And and, and you, you find that through fleeing from sin and pursuing these other things. And so having boundaries is important. You know, for those who are dating couples, you know, Dust and I dated... Uh, as, as Christians for three years. And, you know, it, it, we had a pure dating relationship. We, we saved each other for, for marriage. We saved ourselves and uh, each other for marriage. But it wasn't easy. You know, it took having some good boundaries. We wouldn't be alone together in an apartment. We wouldn't sit in the car parked for a long you know, period together. We, we, we just had certain, we, we would be, I would have her home from dates by midnight on, on Saturday nights. And we, we, Gave each other one quick kiss at the end of the date, and that was it. You know, it's like that one little peck, <laughs> that's going to be it. Because I know if more is not going to be good for us. You know, we just had these healthy boundaries. And so it's so important that we have those boundaries that when the Bible talks about relationships with each other, it says treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so anything that you wouldn't be doing with your physical sister, you shouldn't be doing with someone that's not your wife. Uh, that's the kind of boundary we need to have. There's a scripture that, uh, was read at the, the midweek the other night, and uh, Steve did a great job of, of communicating some things about this uh, with the singles ministry. But in Ephesians 5, it says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. 
For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. He says not even a hint of sexual morality, any kind of purity, or of greed. Not even a hint. That is very different than our world today. Even our religious world today. I mean, I've heard testimonies of people from from kind of mainline Christianity that talk about their, their relationship. And even on the video, I saw this one video of this dating couple, and he's like, she's like leaned up against his his chest and there's just sort of like I mean they were like well, like that's a hint of impurity on the video right there talking about being pure pure you know uh, that is not imp- that, that's a hint of impurity uh, for the working with the teen ministry I was looking up uh, icebreaker things to do with teens and and uh, you know uh, it, it talked about these teen ministries and these things they would do for icebreakers and one of them was like okay get uh four couples, you know, a guy and a girl, just and then have them come up and have the, the girls dress the guys up as babies, you know, put a diaper on them and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and it was just like, really? You would want your teens to do that with each other? You know, another was like, have the girls take lifesavers and, and make an a art project on the guy's face, you know, like, like suck on the lifesaver and then make... I'm like, really? That, that is a hint of impurity to me. Uh... I don't want our teens doing that. And I'm so, I'm so proud of our teens that they have such a pure relationship. And, and, and uh, like we were able to host the, um, the Valentine's Sisters Encouragement Night. It was on Valentine's Day or close around Valentine's Day. And the brothers, uh, you know, all the guys, the teen guys dressed up super sharp, really nice, uh, you know, bow ties and vests and and uh, the girls came in, and they gave them each a rose, and they said encouraging things about them, and they put on a little production for them with crazy dancing that, you know, Ryan was uh, the centerpiece of, you know, because he's the best dancer. And uh, it was so awesome. Sisters, were uh, teen girls, were you encouraged? Raise your hand if you were encouraged. Yeah, wasn't that awesome? I just appreciate the purity of, of our teen ministry and not letting there be a hint of these things. But for all of us, I mean, of greed, have you let there be a hint of greed? What is that? You know, how about with special missions? Has there been a hint of greed? I don't know exactly what a hint of greed is, but, you know, it's good to think about that. He says, let there not be even a hint of greed. Greed is idolatry, he says. Don't even let there be a hint of this stuff. Uh, we got to be careful, not even a hint of impurity. We got to be careful what we let our eyes see. You know, I have certain boundaries with what I let my eyes see and what shows I'll watch or what shows I won't watch or you know, we have to be careful. There's not many shows you can watch nowadays. Uh, you know, and, and most of the time I try to watch with my wife or I, I, I make sure she always knows everything I'm watching and she can see my viewing history, you know, for watching for Netflix or whatever, you know, because I want to I want to stay pure and I, I don't want to let my eyes see stuff that's not good for me. And, and there's been stuff I, I've stopped watching because I'm like, yeah, this is you can make an argument. This is OK, but it's not good for me. You know, it's, it's, it's not, I'm like, I don't Why do I need to watch this show anyway? Uh, so just making those boundaries. You could say, Brian, you're, you're being legalistic. I want to exercise my freedom. And, and, but there's a difference between being free and being stupid. <laughs> you know? And uh, you say, Brian, that's a bad word. Well, no, it's not. It's in the Bible. You can check it out. The word stupid is in the Bible. You know, you could be free to play touch football on the 405, but that would be stupid. <laughs> and uh, I want to show you some pictures of some people. You know, that... You can be free to do that. 
Some people might think that's stupid. You know, it might be stupid to stand right there on the corner of a roof. That's not a healthy boundary to me. You know, this guy... You know, and these guys say, oh, it's fine. I've never been bitten yet. <laughs> you know? uh, that's even crazier. These are not healthy boundaries. This, uh, this... That's not a healthy boundary for that kitty. She should not be hanging out there. This guy... Now, I don't know, I don't know any, these are pictures I got from Mike Tolliver, so I had no, no story behind these. Like, I don't know what happened next. He has a smile on his face there. But boundaries are important. You know, think about that in your own life. Is there something you should take a stand on, or have you let there be a hint? Um, another nerdy science thing here I'm going to share with you. Uh, in April... Uh, the Large Hadron Collider. Who knows what that is? LHC. Okay, a lot of you do. So this is the most, the largest scientific experiment ever conducted. This is the largest single piece of technical equipment that exists, like the largest machine on Earth. All of science, the entire Earth, all nations, you know, have come together to make this incredible scientific thing. And, and what it's for is, is accelerating particles and trying to, trying to determine how the universe came to be, uh, which we know. That those are, you know, God did it, but but anyway, this huge thing, this the largest thing. Did you know that in April it was shut down for a whole week because of one little weasel? One little weasel got into the wiring and ruined the whole thing for a week. And I just think that's how, how that's how these things can be. Where Paul says, "Don't let there be a hint of these things," because a hint can can wreck you up for a while. And so we got to be have have boundaries and not allow these things in okay third thing put up a fight sometimes you can't run you know sometimes you're you're in a situation you can't run away and you just have to fight you've got to put up a fight james 4 7 says submit yourselves then to god resist the devil and he will flee from you that is a promise of god if you resist satan he will flee do you believe that Come near to God. He'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. I can be a, I'm a sinner. You know, when, when, when Elaine said there's rejoicing over one, one sinner who repents and 99 righteous people who do not need to repent, I thought, that's not me. I need to repent. Every day I need to repent. But this is a great promise that if I come near to God, he'll come near to me, that if I, if I, I, can, I can be purified, and that if I resist Satan, he will Flee. And Satan knows this. So a lot of times his tactic, it's not uh, to engage you. It's to get you just not to fight at all. It's to get you to, to just not even try to not even pick up the, the armor and not even try to fight. Uh, Mike talked about how uh, these lion, lions in, in Africa, he lived in Africa for a long time. And he, he saw on, on safari, he would see these lions uh, and, and they, them, the way that they would hunt. And he said a lot of times they don't go for somebody who's going to take them on. They don't go for the giraffe that's going to fight back. Like, like Mike said, he saw a giraffe that kicked and got away. But they go for those that are weak and those that are young and those that don't fight. That's who the lions want. They want an easy target. Uh, 
And so a lot of times if you turn and you fight, if the, if the giraffe turns and fights that lion, that's where their chance is. Um, you know, the, here's a picture of a moose that is taking on the wolf. And sometimes we just have to take Satan head on and say no to sin and Satan will flee. There's, there's some way that you can fight. There's some way that you can do battle against him. A few practicals, confessing, talking about it, confessing temptations you're having, being open, having people in your life that know what's really going on, saying prayers, making a call, uh, pausing and, and reflecting. What are the consequences of this? You know, just meditating on that, uh, reading your Bible. You know, there are ways that you can fight sin. Don't roll over. Don't play dead. Don't stick your head in the sand or give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Satan only wins if we don't fight. Why don't we fight? I think sometimes because we don't understand the magnitude of what we're doing. And so when, when, when Jesus says something like, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, it would be better for you to go into heaven with one eye than to have two eyes and go to hell. That's what Jesus said. That is a strong little metaphor right there, isn't it? And it doesn't even, we can't even hardly relate to it because we don't have his value system. I think with that story, he's trying to get us into his value system to see the, you know, how, how big of a deal sin is. If somebody was telling you, I think he used that analogy because nobody's tempted with that. Nobody's like, oh, I think I might gouge out my eye. You know, nobody, nobody struggles like that. And if somebody was struggling, you would say, why would you do something to something so valuable? I mean, what's more valuable than your eye? And yet that's what we do with our spiritual selves is we can 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 play around with sin to where we could it can affect our salvation. And it's so much more valuable. We've got to have the right perspective. That's the way we should think is why on earth would I mess around with something so valuable? Resist Satan and he will flee. It's a promise. I appreciate Dustin Peckman in this. You know, Dustin probably every week sends me a, one text or another saying, pray for me. You know, I'm in this situation. It's a challenge. Pray for me. I'm, I'm here at the school and this is happening or I'm, I'm, I'm having this temptation or I'm having that temptation or pray that I'll be this or pray that I'll be that. I appreciate those texts. They'll send them to me or Eddie or Steve. And, and you know, that, that is, a, is a way to fight Satan. It's just bringing light into the situation. And I guarantee you when, when he's feeling tempted and then he sends that text, then it's boom, Satan's gone. You know, that's how it works. Uh, second thing or fourth thing, have faith. As we fight Satan, we have to have faith. Uh, this this uh, promise is another promise we need to cling to. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overcome you, taken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. <clears throat> he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so you can endure it. You know, this, this is an an attitude of faith to go, God is in control and he's going to protect me. I just have to look for the way out. Uh, there's many times when I'm tempted with, and I'm right in the battle with my pride or with my anger or with my lust or with something. And I'm going, okay, God, where is the way out? I know there's a way out. You promised it. I have faith in that. And then you find that way out and you will be victorious. A lot of times when you just pray that prayer, God, what's my way out? And boom, you see the way out. God will speak to you and, and then you'll be victorious uh, this is a promise. And faith doesn't act in fear. Faith acts in, you know, in confidence in God. Stepping out. Faith always steps out. Uh, Dessa coached Cora's soccer team this last uh, season. Uh, and um, we had an awesome goalie. She, she, she kind of came into being a goalie with Dessa's mentorship. 
<laughs> uh, she, she, now she's on a club team and she's doing great, but she, she really progressed a lot and she is an awesome goalie. And what I appreciate about her is she's fearless. And, you know, uh, to be a good goalie, you have to be fearless. When somebody has a breakaway and they're coming towards you, you cannot stay in the box. You will lose. If you stay in the box, then they just put it wherever you aren't. But if you come out of the goal and you run right at that person, that's the way to win. And uh, that's the way we've got to be spiritually. Sometimes when we see the attack coming, we run right to the fight and we will be victorious. Fifth thing, say something. There's a real power to verbalizing our faith or our decisions. I know we talked a, a couple weeks ago about confessing our sin. That's, that's helpful to verbalize the struggle that we're going to. But even making decisions, verbalizing decisions. I appreciate the story of Zacchaeus. We studied him a few months ago. And he says to Jesus, he says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He made a public declaration of his decision. I think sometimes we want to make kind of covert decisions. You know, yeah, I want to really make a decision, but I'm not going to tell anybody. That way, if I don't, if I don't stick to it, nobody, can, nobody even knows. <laughs> you know, that's what we do. I have done that. You know, I'm going to pray an hour a day, but I'm not going to tell anybody because <laughs> I might not do it. You know, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible in a year, but, but I want to leave it out. Or, you know, we make these decisions, but, but there's a power to saying something, to, to, to making a public declaration, getting, getting it out there. Uh, and even, even with regard to our battle against sin, making a public declaration. Uh, anybody know what uh, is he's saying right there? You shall not pass. There we go. Yeah, we got to make a public declaration. And Mark, Mark 11, it flashed on your screen, but we all know it. Uh, Jesus says, if you say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea, it will be done for you. There's something about saying it. I'm going to say something in faith. Uh, I remember when I was uh, a teenager, um, a big turning point for me was, I, I kept hearing on Sunday about being a disciple and making the decision to give up your whole life and, and uh, following Jesus with everything. And, and I, I was looking at my own life and I got baptized in sixth grade, but I I wanted to go to heaven, but that was about it. And, you know, my sinful nature hadn't really blossomed yet. And I didn't feel like I'd really, as I looked back, I was like, I don't think I ever became a Christian. I don't think I ever really made a decision. I don't think I ever really did what I see in the Bible. And so I, I remember talking to my teen leader, Drew Nitchoff, about it and just saying, you know, I don't think I ever did this. And that was a huge turning point for me, just getting open and verbalizing where I saw myself in my faith. And, uh, you know, I became a disciple shortly thereafter, and my life's been Roses ever since. <laughs> Not really. It's, it's full of joy, and it's full of joy, and, and it's the richest life I can imagine. Uh, okay, okay, last thing here. Say something is the last point. Just to close out here, I want to mention that uh, I want to look at this verse and talk about what living a victorious life looks like. You know, I think when we think of a victorious life, sometimes we think, okay, yeah, this is a person who's just uh, never struggles and is always faithful and always doing great. But look at this story that, that Paul told about his own life. He said, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, would you say Paul was a victorious Christian? Absolutely. But look what he says. He talks about having a thorn. He talks about how God's power is perfect in weakness. And I've got insults. I've got hardships. I've got persecutions. I've got difficulties. Paul went through some difficult stuff. And yet he said, in that is where I was victorious. You know, it's in the weakness. It's in the hardship. It's in these battles that Christ really shines. And so uh, a victorious Christian uh, sometimes means going through some difficult things. We, we want to win our victories from a position of strength. But great victories really are won from a position of weakness. And so wherever you are today in weakness or in strength, you know, this is a promise for you that, that you can be victorious. And when I think about this verse, when I, I was thinking about so many of you in the fellowship who are really vic- victorious. And one person I thought of that represents a lot of you is Nellie Clementi, you know. Uh, amen. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of you feel that way. But, you know, she's, she's a widow. Her, her kids have gone through their own struggles with their spiritual journey. Uh, she's been faithful through it all. She's battled cancer. She's uh, always faithful, always, uh, you know, fighting with, with special missions. Uh, you know, she, she gave in 10 different increments, you know, 10 times gave towards special because she wanted to make sure she got to this big goal that she had. And, you know, she's not a person of wealth. And I just appreciate her giving uh, out of her poverty, giving in rich generosity, as, as uh, Paul talked about the Macedonians. And that should convict you if you have and you haven't given. You know, I, I think, wow, this is an example of a woman who is, is really a, a vic- spiritually victorious person. So just to, uh, to reiterate, and we're going to close out with a song here. Uh, victory through Christ, putting up good and appropriate boundaries, put up a fight, have faith, say something. The final victory is still to come. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 